Hello there. Welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, again here with Father Shannon Bouquet. Tad, always, always good to be with you. Yes, absolutely, Father. Um, I'm just going to keep that as a catchphrase from now on, <laughs> since I say it so often. Um, so, Father, we're all probably aware already of, of this uh, leaked Supreme Court decision in uh, the case Dobbs versus uh Jackson Women's Health uh, right. from Mississippi, and um, it's uh, effective essentially overturning, not essentially, in fact, overturning the whole Roe v. Wade decision from mm-hmm. 1973, um, which if our viewers are unaware, uh, listeners and viewers are unaware, it would be the decision that enabled or disabled states from making their own laws about abortion, which is how it had been up to that point. Mm. Um, And so this essentially puts, this decision would essentially put things back into the hands of the states uh, to make these decisions. So it's not a a case of making abortion if immediately illegal everywhere, um, which is one thing that we'll we'll touch on later. But uh, first of all, this was a leaked decision. It was about a month and a half ahead of time uh, from when it was presumed to be coming out. Did anyone expect to find out this way, Father? Did any of us expect this? No, because this is just unprecedented. Right. You know, to have a a, a leaked opinion, you know, uh, you know, allowed to to get into the public like that. So we know that the the various opinions and writings are interchanged between the justices and shared between the justices, and you know, so that would not have been an uncommon practice for you know for uh, in this case, you know, Justice Alito, you know, to to uh, to share his. A draft, you know, with the other justices. Uh, and so obviously the justices all have clerks and everyone's looking at. So, uh, but, you know, I, th- I think that, you know, the, the, the issue here is that's something the court is going to have to deal with, you know, and there's been many speculations about, you know, uh, is it legal, not legal? But for us, you know, it's in our conversation, it's not really the, the, the main focus. I mean, that's something that has to be dealt with. I mean, because it does, it puts the integrity of the court, you know, into question in the sense of, you know, uh, how the confidentiality and how these conversations occur between the justices and, you know, inter- uh, as they reach a decision on, on any matter, you know, especially something as much as this landmark case will be, you know, so I think it's, uh, but, you know, for us now, you know, that this uh, leaked draft opinion uh, has been uh, out there, and, you know, and having myself read, you know, the 98-page document, you know, just to really to to see how Justice Alito approaches this conversation uh, is encouraging uh, from, on two points of view, you know, not just from the point of wanting to see human life protected um, and the decision of uh, whether to, for a state, you know, through its legislative process, through its elected officials and through the people, you know, coming together. Obviously, we, we're not in support of any law that would allow abortion in any state, uh, but to see this uh, opportunity that, as if it stands, to come before us means we now have to really, you know, approach how we're going to address these issues. But I think also from, you know, from uh, as a U.S. citizen uh, uh, here in the United States, uh, to see a justice really speak about the Constitution and to speak about, you know, what does the Constitution actually say and how is it interpreted. So it, it made for a very, you know, uh, insightful read on a on, on number of levels. And, and having recently completed, you know, uh, a master's in bioethics and having studied constitutional law as part of the coursework, uh, I, I read it from a very different perspective and just trying to, to, to glean from, uh, you know, the, um, the writing, you know, 
what is the justice really addressing? And so it's, uh, I look forward to the second read, but I think I'm going to wait until I see a final decision and then maybe kind of look at them both. But I know that's not what our, our podcast is necessarily on constitutional law today. No, no, but it is relevant, I think, uh, to, to some extent uh, sure. from, from, from the pro-life uh, activism perspective, because, uh, the, like you said, this is an unprecedented right. action. Um, it is speculated on the part of a one of the clerks or assistants of one of mm-hmm. the more liberal justices um essentially as a kind of judicial activism right. uh in an illegal manner right. uh but um at, at any rate, uh, I think what's important is the response that right. has come out to kind of as a weather vane of what Americans. Well, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, Ted, that you mentioned judicial activism because that's mm-hmm. really a, a, a problem that goes back to the original decision. Right. You know, where seven justices, you know, uh, really, you know, uh, came up with this using, you know, different language and, and kind of, you know, it, imposed upon this nation, you know, this this decision where abortion became legal across the entire country. So it's interesting that the arguments that you see people making today, you know, about quote-unquote judicial activism, uh, fail to remember history in 1973. Uh, and so, and how, again, seven justices, you know, and it's also, as I note in my column, how some have even made note that, you know, this is a uh, you know, the all, all men courtroom and uh, justices and, you know, again, you know, look at what's going on in front of them right now. And so, it, but as you just said, I mean, I don't want to kind of digress into that conversation again, no, but, no. but I think it's important that people realize that, you know, that the, the as we discuss these issues about human life, that we cannot ignore the very mechanisms in which, you know, either uh, life is defended and protected at every stage, uh, and that would be through the courts, through our legislative process, you know, through our House of Congress and, and Senate in a state level, federal level, courts and district courts, you know, and also now at Supreme Court level. You know, so th- we cannot ignore that these are places where our conversations must be and where we have to have advocates. And we do. We have tremendous um, amount of people, you know, working across this country, you know, at different levels of government advocating for life. You know, and uh, not only on the issue of abortion, but also on the issue of euthanasia uh, and many other levels. So, so I, I, again, this is we're here because of, of the great heroic work of many legislators uh, and many of those working on state level, federal level, bringing this conversation to bear, which we've talked about in our podcast. And the Supreme Court uh, appointees uh, who, who are now in sufficient number to have exactly. uh, made this decision, which um, is, is, is really good for the country. Right. And it's, you know, it's really, the, for example, the March for Life has been about this uh, for the, the whole time. Well, it does. I mean, it, it goes to show that, you know, where where we can exercise, you know, our, uh, on one person, you know, and, and but, you know, each of us has an, uh, as a privilege of being a U.S. citizen and, you know, given to us, you know, by our Constitution, you know, the right to vote. And, you know, and so we, we need to exercise that. And this is a this is an example, not that we voted for the justices because they're not they're not voted in, but they are appointed. They're nominated by a seated, seated president. You know, and so I think it's important for us uh, not uh, to, to to see that this is also the fruit of people working, you know, to have uh, 
their vote counted in the sense of voting for people who are going to uh, advance what we believe and, and at least or at least enter into the conversation and, and offer opportunity for these kinds of advancements. And, and so we know that this conversation has been brewing for years. Uh, I speak a little bit about that under the, uh, even under the Reagan presidency, you know, where we've had justices. And we, so we've kind of been in these moments before where we've seen good opportunity. But uh, this was uh, truly um, uh, a, a remarkable moment of time. Uh, even before this leaked opinion came forward, we knew that the court was more uh, receptive to taking on this case and to, and to invest and look at it and to revisit it. It had not been like that in previous uh, uh, years. So um, we, so when this case came forward and we saw that the, the court was gonna, first of all, receive the case, that in itself you know, spoke volume. And then to, to see the oral arguments that we heard back in, uh, in the early part of our, this year, and to hear the justices and uh, how they responded, how they reacted, uh, was a, a good sign uh, that there was uh, the potential for this case to really bring to bear, you know, what had been imposed upon uh, the, the states and upon our country and, and, you know, by those seven justices. And, and to see how uh, bad law has come about as a result of that initial bad law. And uh, so, so here we are. And right now, I think what's important is that, you know, for until we hear the, the final decision of the court, you know, as I said in my column recent, we need to keep praying for the justices, praying for everyone involved. Um, you know, uh, we, we know human nature, and we know uh, that until that final decision is, is, pro, is made, made public, we know that many things can occur. So uh, right now, we, we've been hearing from Alito, we've heard from uh, Thomas, Justice Thomas recently, you know, a few others have spoken, actually, many of them have spoken uh, very uh, uh, out about the leak itself, which I think is good, they need to speak out on that, but, but at least from what we're hearing, you know, that uh, we should be receiving the final decision. Remember, this is still an opinion. It's a draft opinion. Um, it could be other renditions of this opinion that, you know, some redactions and so forth. So until we actually see the, the final document, but as this document currently is, uh, it, it, would, it tosses, you know, this conversation about, you know, uh, the issue of abortion back to the states. And as you and I have had talked about before from different columns I've written about different states with trigger laws. And so those, like, for example, my state of Louisiana, other states where there already are laws on the book, meaning ready that if Roe were, in this case, to be completely overturned, uh, then those laws in the states would become automatic. And so in some states, we've already seen where their legislator and their governors have, uh, have signed into law or placed into a, pro a process where those pro-life laws would happen immediately. So abortion would become illegal uh, in those states. And then there are other states primed to, to take on that same conversation in advance. And we also know that there are other states uh, that uh, are, are advocating for abortion and have always been advocating for abortion and uh, in complete unlimited access to abortion that are not just going to miraculously change. Uh, the, the battle now turns to the states. And, and I think that's something that you know, we, we've, been, we've been talking about. Many of us in the pro-life movement, especially the leaders within this movement, have been talking about, quote, a post-Roe. Uh, world, you know, what do we do in those situations? Even within the church, many of our bishops actually, uh, you know, have been talking about this within their own dioceses, even on the USCCB level, 
they have talked about this, you know, and so what's what's our approach? How are we going to advance the conversation? What's involved? So so here we are, you know, and again, we, we, we don't take anything for granted, you know, it, uh, at face value from what we see in the, the, the leaked opinion. Uh, obviously, uh, Justice Leto, for anyone who's read this, um, has uh, the 98-page document is very clear. Uh, it's very thorough, and it addresses uh, all the legal questions. Uh, addresses the constitutionality of Roe and, and and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. It addresses a lot of these issues, and I would encourage people to to uh, again remember it's a draft opinion to read it. I think it would be very insightful, you know, to people to understand, you know, how this is being addressed. That it's not just a you know, little one-page document saying, "Hey, we're we're overturning this decision." It's very well written, and uh, and I, I look forward to studying the document even more. Like I said, I want to wait for the, the final and then kind of go back and read and see what maybe changes have been made. But there have been many other people well-trained, well-voiced in the language. So, But I think ours now needs to be, you know, what's next? So assuming that this is the, the, the decision that will be given, then what is next? What do we do? How do we move forward? Right, Father, and that's actually in our inaugural episode uh, of this podcast, we were talking about that, uh, preparing for, as you said, a post-Roe world, uh, post-Roe nation, um, where it's more like guerrilla warfare fighting state by state. Right. Uh, And and with that seeming to be uh, coming to be the reality soon, barring Mm -hmm. some really unexpected uh, changes. Right. we're seeing already uh, in the aftermath of this leak a lot of uh, protests right. from the pro-abortion side, uh, a lot of at least threats of violence, if mm-hmm. not uh, in some cases, perhaps. I, I'm not, I've not been following that, so we right. don't know and we don't want to make any claims. But at least right. there's a lot of vitriol and a lot of uh, – is that – can we expect more of that then uh, yeah, I mean, in the aftermath it's of, a, it's of this? It's a very highly – charged uh, issue mm-hmm. uh, f- filled with many different positions of people across the spectrum of both the social, political, cultural, you know, uh, battleground. Uh, it's highly charged in emotion for many people. Um, you know, having a conversation or a discussion or even a debate uh, on the issue can sometimes raise tremendous amounts of emotion. So it's not to be unexpected, uh, but it is tragic you know, to hear people actually calling, you know, for, uh, in a sense of uh, not only protest, but really calling people out to be, you know, more, uh, in a sense, I won't use the word violent, but just to, to be more aggressive in their in their protests. And I think there is a danger. I mean, I think there is a danger in this because, you know, uh, we live in a country where there is the ability to voice one's concerns, voice one's opinion and in proper ways. And I think those, we should always respect that. Let, listen to people. Let, let's hear what they have to say and then let's discuss it. But um, to, uh, to see how some people have approached not only this current moment, but over the last decades and so forth on not only this subject, but many others, uh, really doesn't promote, you know, a, 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 a true respectful debate and conversation and, uh, and reaching a, uh, an understanding of each other and how to approach that subject. So, uh, it, uh, but yes, to answer your question, Tad, we can't expect it. We've seen this in other countries, of course, you know, where this debate has come to bear. Uh, and also on the issues of euthanasia, when we've seen the same thing in many other parts of the world, uh, particularly in Europe, where uh, of recent some have come up 
uh, for the legalization of euthanasia. Some have passed, and we've seen these kinds of events as well. You know, large protests. Uh, you know, uh, we saw one recently uh, with regard to uh, uh, euthanization of children, and so it was a great debate uh, and highly charged. And so there. So yes, I, I think it's important uh, for us to see that this is going to now move to our states, um, and and we need to just prepare ourselves for this. And I think it's important that, you know, people, you know, uh, not only prepare, you know, for, uh, for the debate itself in the conversation and the articulation of, of what we hold and what we value, but also to be able to how to deal with people and how to, uh, to, uh, to, to deal with opposition. And I think even as a church, you know, we saw on Mother's Day, you know, how some were, you know, uh, being called to, you know, to protest in, in the various churches. Well, again, you know, the only really the, the largest institution standing in the way uh, of, of the pro-abortion agenda is the Catholic Church. You know, she is our boisterous in this. She's completely standing her ground in this, and, and that's not going to change. So I, I, I'm not surprised, you know, to see people right. aim at the Catholic Church. Uh, but I think as, as a church, you know, from our bishops, our lay faithful to our pastors, uh, you know, even here at HLI, you know, we just need to not take things for granted. And, you know, that, uh, that uh, we need to be prepared, you know, and I think we, as pastors, we utterly help our people, you know, to educate our people, even, even in states where, you know, the laws protect life and are those trigger laws are there and everything is primed in if we do move in this direction. But we shouldn't take anything for granted. You know, uh, the, the real challenge I have found with this whole time, Tad, uh, working in the pro-life movement since almost, you know, since I was a deacon and prior to being a deacon, you know, in seminary, is the lack of understanding of the church's teaching. So it, just because, you know, we now may have a situation where it is now uh, thrown back to the states through its legislative process, we should never assume, you know, that uh, that if it comes to a vote, if it were to come to some uh, uh, way of uh, advancement, that we need to educate people on the issue. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, uh, I noted this in some of my recent columns, and it does cause me concern, uh, Ted, is that, you know, when you consider that a great a greater number of those polled you know, would say that uh, in the pro-life, you know, movement and those who are not for abortion, you know, would say that, you know, they're against abortion in those, um, you know, after viability in the last trimester. But then you have some that, you know, that are, are, you know, questionable, whether about rape or incest or genetic abnormalities or, you know, the first, you know, uh, trimester. So that tells me, you know, we have a lot of work to do because abortion is never a viable option. It's never an option at all. You know, even in uh, what is often cited as the exception that the Catholic Church has is uh, the case of the life of the mother. But even this is a, a misunderstanding because right, it's not an abortion. Right. And so I think it's important that that's what I mean. So it's a, it's a good example, Ted, that we have to really bring forth the beauty of what the church teaches and talk about it. And we have to do it from our pulpits. We have to find a way to creatively, and I mean, what I mean by creative is, you know, uh, on, on a given Sunday and you know, on our Catholic churches, there is a election of readings, and those are the readings that we, you know, that we're called to reflect on, and, and, the, and our pastors, our priests, our, our bishops preach on the Word of God and apply it to the, our daily lives. But we have to find a way to, to integrate this kind of conversation into those, those moments and to educate or find other ways to bring to bear, and it can't be just you know putting an article in the in the parish bulletin, a great tool. It cannot just be in the diocese paper again, a great tool. But we need to to really uh, 
bring this to the forefront. You know, if we're going to really transform hearts and minds, and really that's what this is all about at the end of the day, then, you know, we want the law to reflect the truth always. And the truth is that every life is precious from the moment of its beginning at conception till its natural end. And we want our law to protect that that given right, that right to life, that is a God-given right. It's not granted to me by my constitution, even though, you know, I might speak that language, but the reality is that this is a God-given right. It's an inalienable right, you know, that predates the constitution of our country. And, and right. so we need to defend it. And so we want that. But we also have to realize that, you know, that in some, some of our people, you know, who, who claim to be Christian, claiming to be Catholic, and I try to say that claim word respectfully, but, you know, to, but they don't hold this truth. And, and, they, and some people think that, you know, um, that abortion should be fine at a certain stage, and, you know, or that euthanization of someone is, is fine. No, none of this is acceptable. So this, is, to me, is a moment. It's a moment for the church that if we are given this moment, you know, to, to, to bring this argument back to the surface in our states, this is a moment for the church. This is a moment for the, for the Christian faithful, you know, to, to come forward and, and to bring to bear, you know, what we hold to be true and what we hold in, in, in beauty and start talking about it and to help our people to, to clear up any confusion and, and also to clarify. But also, I would say, Ted, we need to hold people accountable, especially those who are in public office. You know, and we've not, with all fairness, you know, we have not done a very good job with that. Many of the people that are advocating for pro-abortion, pro-euthanasia, you know, pro-same-sex union and all this are people who also claim to be, you know, Catholics in good standing. And I know that many of our, of our bishops and many pastors have challenged this in private forums and other forums, and that's great. And, but, you know, there is a, we have a public scandal going on. And that needs to be addressed. You know, we cannot ignore and turn a blind eye to those who are advocating for this. And we need to address it. We and it, it we, in our in, that's how we do we deal with this. And that's what I mean by every level. So I think this is a moment. If we are given this moment, you know, we we should not waste it at all. And and we should never take anything for granted. You know, I remember uh, talking with a very uh, a bishop long who's passed from our world you know, who was uh, uh, an ordinary and active bishop at the time of Roe v. Wade. And, and, you know, I remember him sharing with me how disappointed he was, not only with the decision, but also in speaking about himself. He says, you know, no one ever thought this would come to be. No one ever thought that, you know, that the justices would, would, would do this. And so in a way, there wasn't um, a strong push, you know, to address it, you know, to kind of be proactive. And I remember him sharing with me that he, he lamented that, that no one could have anticipated fully what was going to unfold. But yet around them was the, the whole sexual revolution, the, the whole movement in our country. There was a lot of, uh, um, you know, the whole issue of contraception, the whole issue of uh, humanae vitae. All this was just brewing. And he, and he said to me, he says, we, 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 we should have done more. We should have been more vocal. And, you know, and again, I think that's something that now, we have to speak about, you know, we, if we're given this moment where it's, it, when it's not ideal, you know, like you said, Ted, this doesn't do, this doesn't make abortion illegal in the United States. What it does say is that Roe is no longer the law of the land. And now, and, and so that law now returns, or, or that, uh, the creation of that law now returns to the state. 
you know, to through its legislative processes, you know, to determine what does the state want to do. And so that just now means that we need to, to take this moment and not be afraid of it and not be intimidated. That's, I think, the main thing. Do not be intimidated by, by uh, quote, the other side of the aisle. We, we need to stand. We stand in truth. We stand with knowing that, that this is the truth. And let's fight for it. Let's 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 advocate for it. And that means we just need to, but also educating. So that goes kind of back to what we started with, you know, educating, forming people, helping minds to 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 understand. And when people understand, then they will make the right decision. Right, uh, Father. And um, it's obviously, as you mentioned, just in this post row. Uh, we're hoping, expecting post row situation right. to just. Uh, be more active uh, as pro-lifers on the state level right. uh, in state politics, but but also as you're talking about the Catholic Church um, that uh, most of our listeners uh, will be part of, and as you and I are part of, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, to, just to be aware, it's important for us to be aware that this is ultimately a spiritual issue, not a legal issue. And though we have a legal victory, right. it's... Um, it's actually not as it, it's sort of a compromise position uh, in a sense because there have been arguments from uh, conservative legal scholars, pro-life legal scholars that the Constitution can be interpreted as uh, defending life, uh, prenatal life uh, entirely. Right. In other words, that it couldn't be a state issue because the Constitution of the United States um would forbid abortion, right. um, and that's really actually had been the tradition of the right. United States for. And that's why Alito says right. there's nothing in the Constitution that grants this right. Yeah. So he's made very clear. Right. So from from the draft opinion. Right. For the draft <laughs> opinion, and um, but it, in any case, uh, regardless of that and all the legal questions and the state uh, coming state battles and everything, mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to realize that. As you mentioned, we can be intimidated, uh, shouldn't be intimidated, but there's because of the kind of vociferous nature of the opposition, it's ultimately, I think, based in the fact that this is a spiritual uh, reality. It was a scourge that had been unleashed on our nation, uh, as you were talking about that bishop uh, with whom you spoke, that... uh, Many things had been brewing, and this was kind of abortion was the sort of stamp. Well, it's a deep wound. It's it's, yeah. it's 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 a it's a wound that has festered over these many decades. And you know, obviously, you know, it's uh, as Father Marx, uh, you know, HLI's founder, you know, told John Paul II in 1979. You know, as we were looking at these issues, and in, in it's very, if you call it, in its infancy, literally. I mean, 1979 is just six years after the uh, the, the decision of the court of the United States. Mm. But we've seen abortion legalized in many of the other parts of the world, you know, uh, and so so it wasn't like it was uh, something new to the scene. Unfortunately, it was something imposed upon our country. And so uh, Father Marx was sharing with John Paul II and just saying, you know, if we if we don't intervene and and, ref- edu- and educate people on these issues, they're going to uh, be fester into other issues uh, that are now very much common today. So you, for example, the issue of euthanasia, you know, Father Marx was very clear, the connection, and it's so true because if we don't have a respect for life at its very beginning, in its most vulnerable stage, you know, how are we going to protect life throughout the rest of the stages of its life, 
and and so and that's where we are today. We see our our elderly, our handicapped, our our uh, our poor. So many people who are vulnerable now uh, arbitrarily. People are determining who has value, who doesn't. Whereas the the real challenge for us, and I think that's why it's abortion has created a mindset. But we also got to step back, and this is not, I mean, it's something we can address more detailed later as we continue with our podcast, Ted, is, you know, this all begins in a contraceptive mentality. This is, this is the fundamental issue, is, you know, when we have a misunderstanding uh, and a falsification of the good that is human sexuality, that is that which is shared between a husband and wife, and the, the openness to human life and the transmission of human life, which is what Paul VI was dealing with in Humanae Vitae. And this is what Father Marx shared with John Paul, that when this is allowed to continue, abortion is really, he often called it the stepchild of contraception, the fruit of contraception, which it really is because if we have a contraceptive mentality, we're against life, contra, against, then naturally when that contraception fails, and it doesn't, and what's being said to me from the scientific community and so forth, fails, and life is conceived, they're not for life already, so why would I want now to have this life? So they now want a mechanism, so here we are with abortion. And so abortion has become a contraceptive in itself, because this is so. It's another, another name for another conversation, but I think this well, is what I meant earlier, Tad, by the education. We have to really get underneath this and address the fundamental issues that have brought us to this moment as we now address these situations. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, uh, it's fascinating, Father, because it, it's not even really hidden from the legal history uh, of Roe v. Wade that uh, the uh, pretense of the, of the Roe v. Wade decision, as well as the Doe versus Bolton Correct. decision of the same year, same time, uh, was Griswold versus Connecticut, That's which correct. did the same thing about 10 years prior right. uh, with respect to contraception, that's, essentially that's saying no state can legislate against that's contraception. Correct. And there, that's where they created this so-called uh, right, right to privacy. privacy. Right. Exactly. So this is why it's important to look at the legal part and realize what's been done. So that's why this is a moment, you know, for us to, to go back and realize. And so kind of what you started with in the little segment was, you know, from it's a spiritual battle. But, you know, the idea here is we would, uh, from, from, from our understanding of, of, of Christian life and, and our way that we want to integrate that life into daily living, we want our social, political, cultural life influence to also be, quote, you know, from our, 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 our view, not imposed, but we want to bring it to bear, you know. So I think it's important to see this, you know, it's not uh, one uh, over the other, but if we're living out our, our, our faith fully, and we are trying to integrate that into daily life, no matter what position I hold in life, then yes, we would like to see our laws reflect that. For example, I think that we need to be looking at this conversation, you know, across the spectrum of life. So to me, as, as, we, as we speak about these issues, you know, we always try to integrate them. So abortion, euthanasia, try to look at how the assault on life, the assault on life, you know, really is something we need to start talking more and more about uh, from our, in, in our in our parish communities, in our in our local churches, and in an integrated way. Because if uh, it's exactly. pretty common, um, 
you can be a practicing Catholic and be opposed to abortion, but maybe privately contracepting or right. not opposed to it. Correct. Or you might not be opposed to, quote, euthanization. Right. So you, you can see where, you know, we're, we're having some issues. And uh, that, you know, and I read, I mean, I um, I see what people write. I, I mean, I hear how people address some of these issues. So for myself, that is why what I love about HLI is we address all of those issues. We we. we Look at the the beautiful ethic of life. Life is a good. Life is precious, and it must and it must be protected. There is no arbitrary way of looking at the dignity of human life, at innocent human life. It's very very important as we have this conversation. So that's why this is going to be a difficult journey. I mean, if this holds as it is presented to us in this draft opinion, we know that it's going to be a difficulty. We know it's going to be pretty furious in some of the states, and we we just need to really start anticipating. And I'm very happy, you know, to see uh, again many things already laid forward uh, for this. They've they've been anticipating it, and I think it's an exciting moment, you know. And I think there's kind of a feeling, you know, that you know that we're we're moving towards something really good. And I I feel the same way, you know. I, I again I, I'm waiting for the, that that final decision, because then we know what we have in front of us. You know, until that moment, there's this just this concern. But that's that's a natural thing, until we know something final. So, but anticipating that this is the final, you know, I see it as, as a moment of, of, of grace, because it now just brings us all to the table. You know, we all have to come forward and, and, and contribute to the good. And, and I, in a way, it's like being given a second chance. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful one day to have all 50 states? You know, wouldn't it be great to see, you know, uh, our nation uh, through its legislative process, you know, its federal level, say, no, abortion is illegal across the board. Now, we're not going to be there tomorrow. Can it happen? Yes, it can. You know, again, it's about transforming hearts and minds. It's I, I really think Mother Teresa is and John Paul, you know, our, our great two saints, really capture this so beautifully. Mother talked about the arbitrariness of, of the violence of abortion. And, and what she looked at was very simple, very practical, that if I can arbitrarily say A has no value, then I can just as easily say to B that you have no value. So a child in the womb can be determined arbitrarily by someone, mother, father, not of value. So why can't that same person also determine other people to not be of value? Very simple. But if we as a people see life completely from its very beginning, and we all know, I don't care what the scientific community is trying to do and and guise in itself in in the pro-abortion stance and industry, we all know that life begins at the moment of conception. You know, not an implantation like some are trying to, to do, which again allows them to have an opportunity for abortion. The idea is we know that life begins at the moment of conception. So that life is a unique life. And if we protect this innocent life, then that and then we base all of our laws that life is to be protected, then we can see it move forward. And so we then we can deal with the issue instead of uh, promoting euthanasia, euthanasia, you know, as John Paul would say, no, what we would be promoting is how do you and I, Tad, 
stand with our brother and sister who is suffering in need? How can we be of help to them? How can we accompany them? How can we, and for us as Christians, to see the value of redemptive suffering? You know, we don't, we're not talking about any of this enough. And so, but that would move a country in a very different direction. And, and we have to be very honest. Our, our culture, very sad, many of our, our, our states, many of our major cities are filled with violence. And, 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 and I think we just Not need even to... just uh, the legal violence no, of abortion, no, but no. Uh, just Murders, all kinds of crimes. crimes. Yeah. And, you Which know, abortion uh, ought to be a crime, but... Uh, exactly. But uh, I mean, again, I think it goes back that, you know, we've, we've lost a sense of respect for life. And, and we've devalued life, you know, almost across the spectrum of, of, of and I think that's the real challenge before us. And that's why I see this as a moment to pick up that, back up that banner if you, again, and just, you know, speak about life itself is an inalienable good. It's, it's, it's precious. It's beautiful. It's wonder. And every life, you know, has, has something to offer and to give and is beautiful. And we need to value this, you know, and fight for it. And not be uh, fall into this this trap that has been laid by the evil one. Go back to the spiritual battle that has allowed us to to become uh, you know in a sense cloudy in our judgment and understanding of human life, of human sexuality, of marriage. So it it, it this to me uh, I, I again my my first reaction when I heard about the, dra- the the draft opinion and and then seeing it and then reading it, I really walked away with a sense of of a feeling of. Of, of hope that there's an opportunity that we may be given, you know, to to heal and, and to and to, uh, uh, to seek forgiveness and, and to and to take a different path if we're if we have the courage, and I think that's the real challenge for our society. You know, I looked back at you know at Hungary, you know, back in 2012 that changed its constitution. You know, and, and again, nothing's perfect. There's still lots of things to keep working on, but it moved in a, in a pro-life direction, a very strong pro-life direction. And that means now the country itself, you know, is moving in a, in a new direction. It's having its ups and its downs, but that's where we're going to be. If, if we can really step from this and see this as an opportunity, then we as a country can move forward and be united. We're divided. I mean, com- so divided. So divided. And and actually, you mentioned Hungary. There's a similar situation in Poland correct. a few years ago. That's correct. But that brings up a nice uh, question for us then about the implications, because obviously the U.S. is still, uh, at least for now, the strongest superpower in the world. Right. Um, and this kind of a decision has implications, not just for all the 50 states, but all the states around the world. Um, and as we see abortion advancing, as we've discussed in other podcast episodes in right. uh, Colombia, other countries in Latin America, uh, it's been a constant push in parts of Africa um, right. and other things that HLI keeps. It's uh, quite quite involved in because that's our, our goal is pro-life right. advocacy around the world. Um, we have to ask ourselves, what does this mean for the culture of life uh, around the world? Uh, right. As well, because I think, as you said, it's a very hopeful position, uh, uh, situation, but also one that is 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 a, also a challenge. Right. Uh, it's not like a, a done, and, a said and done uh, exactly, thing. Exactly. No, it's a good point, Ted. I mean, and you think you know, I think of the scripture. You know, fear is useless. You know, what is what's is needed is love. 
And I think that you know that you know that the, the daunting challenge of what lies before us is it, it can it in itself can seem very overwhelming. I mean, even before this leaked opinion, what did we find? We found you know people who have been advocating for life, you know, from on, on every level for many decades. And it seems every time we kind of make one foot forward, you get knocked back three feet. And and so it can be discouraging. You know, and, and so, but, we, but we've persevered. And here we are at a, at a pivotal moment, a potential moment of time where we can uh, help not only, again, heal, but how do we move forward? And, and not just among the 50 states, but how do we as a country impact the rest of the world? And we know through the Hyde Amendment, which we've talked about before, uh, which has been sadly challenged by, you know, by uh, those within, you know, the pro- pro- uh, abortion industry and, you know, trying to uh, find ways around it or just completely negate it. Uh, sadly, uh, we've seen where the uh, Mexico City policy kind of goes. And as people often say in the pro-life movement in other countries, depending on which way your flag flies, the, the, the policy changes. So we need to move it from a policy, you know, into where it is a law that says no, that funding cannot be used. And we're as a country. So we know that sadly, uh, dependent on the president and the, and the, those in the seats of power in Congress, we know that USAID also makes a huge impact in this conversation. We also know how funding goes to the United Nations, you know, also is very impactful. A lot of the United Nations funding comes from the United States of America. So there is a way that you're absolutely right, where this conversation is not just bound to our own country, that we can change our policies, our state policies, the way that we approach other nations, the way that we fund. I mean, Pope John Paul II, Pope Francis currently, Pope Benedict before him, 16th before him, you know, really were very strong, strongly worded, and Pope Francis still strongly worded, about how aid is given to, to nations of need with all these conditions. So we, we the United States is not, you know, uh, does not have a very, uh, in many people's other countries, do not look at us very lo- with great love and admiration because we they know that many of their, their problems are being caused by us in the sense of our how we how we approach aid, how we approach you know care, right? And that needs to change. So I think that's kind of getting to a little bit of what you're saying. I, I again I see this that it's going to take great courage to get into all of that and and to literally you know to remove all that language and to to change it and to say that you know that this is what this nation believes and we're not going to do anything upon any other nation. Uh, uh, to the contrary, that we we uphold life, we uphold the dignity of life. Every life is precious, and we're going to defend that 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 belief. And so, all of our foreign policy now changes. The way that we approach U.S. aid uh, changes. The way that we approach charity, you know, in the sense of our assistance to other nations, you know. And again, HLI is in a position where we've seen the consequence of our state policies. You know, we see it firsthand through our through our affiliations and our partnerships and our relationships in the developing world particularly. We've seen it. We know it. And I can tell you, you know, under the, under the uh, uh, situation in Puerto Rico, for example, which is, again, part of the United States. And But you know that when, when uh, President Trump, you know, uh, you know, took the Mexico City policy and, and moved it toward the position of life, as it should, well, we saw uh, examples where two abortion provider facilities 
in Puerto Rico, in the little in this community, because one was getting aid from the United States, closed. The other one was privately being funded, and it remained open for a while. But it shows you what policies do, you know. And so this is an opportunity. So I, I'm with you, Tad. I, 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 that's how I look at the larger picture. Right. But again, it's 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 a slow inroad. So right now, the first step is to have the majority opinion that we have seen leaked to us under that draft to find the final copy or final decision made and outside of any little nuance that it it stands as we have seen it. If that's the case, then we know exactly what's going to happen that that same day, that same day. In a great many of the states, abortion is now illegal. But we also know, Tad, that the and I, and I, again, respectfully use the word enemy, all right, that the enemy of the pro-abortion agenda, that's the enemy, the agenda and sadly those who promote it uh, but and advocate for it. You know, they're not just going to roll over, you know. And so we know that we, uh, we, we've seen the tactics. We've seen how it works. We now need to be proactive. We need to educate our, our, our people. We need to, especially within the Catholic Church, within our Christian communities, we need to educate, form people, you know, also support people who are working in this great cause. Another thing we need to do, Ted, which we've talked about before, and I'm going to go to Texas now. You know, we've talked about this with the Texas heartbeat law, all right, which is still legal and holding, and lives are being saved because of it. But what did Texas do that I've not seen any other state do yet, uh, and the, even those that are promoting a similar heartbeat law, $100 million, which is still a little, that's not a drop in the bucket, I won't say that. But it's saying that it's an advocacy account. It's to help those who are advocating for, for families, for mothers, you know, situations that are difficult. They, in other words, they put the money where the mouth is. $100 million are out there. That's the next step we have to be prepared for. Because what allowed the, the enemy to, to move this conversation was something, which was a great lie. And that was, we're do, all we care about, quote, unquote, is the baby. That's untrue. We have, we've always, the church has always been an advocate, you know, for both mother and child and the family. And this is another time for us to put our money where our mouth is. And we need to open centers. You know, I don't, I don't like crisis. I like, you know, pregnancy care. I like the fact that we should, but we need to be there. We need to be present. We need to be available. Because those situations that have led many of our sisters to consider an abortion are not miraculously going to go away because Roe is overturned. Their situations, their hardships, their struggles are still there. And we need to be there. And, and that's where we have to step up our response. And I, I, that's what the U.S. bishops have done over the last two years through some of their pro-life advocacy programs, which I think is fantastic. You know, walking with mothers. We need to be there. And then there, there, once we remove those obstacles, those difficulties, in the sense of being present and being assistance, then people will see there, there, well, there is no reason for abortion. You know, there, there's no reason to even consider that as an option. It should never be an option. But if, if we can remove it. If we can remove the excuses, you mean. Exactly. Because that's what, uh, exactly. how this got here in the first place. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting, Father, because like, like, I think what you're kind of driving at here is that the culture of death doesn't die with legal decisions. No. Um, because legal decision, right? Because it's spiritual, and there's a spiritual hold on this country That's that right. has been ingrained now for a few, several decades. But you know, the legal decisions are important in the culture of life. Well, absolutely. It, it's, it's quite absolutely. possible that this is, uh, 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 you know, 
watershed moment, a turning well, point in, in the whole. Tens of thousands battle. of lives. Mm-hmm. In, in, you know, to the to the point of you know, and just I mean, just think we since Roe v. Wade, at a minimum number that I've seen is sixty three million deaths. Yeah, and that number may not be you know maybe much higher because we don't know the ones that have not been reported. And, you, and we also know that the, 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 uh, the chemical abortions are going to, you know, through, the, you know, through what we're seeing with the quote-unquote abortion pills and so forth. We, this whole thing is just it's going to intensify, you know, because as we just said, you know, it's, it's not going to roll over. This agenda is just not going to go away. So we have to be primed. We have to be ready. We have to be standing, you know, to, to address these issues. And, and I just, you know, today I was working, you know, with one of our mission reports and in, in one of our appeal letters and talking about stories in the mission field, you know, and so of, of women who find themselves in very difficult situations. And the answer is not abortion. The answer is you and me. That's the answer. And that has to be the answer here. And that's why I keep coming back, you know, many times even in my writing, back to that Texas heartbeat law and back to what Texas did, you know, because I have not seen any other state, you know, put the heartbeat law aside. Just That's, that's saving lives by itself. By itself. But just that, that, that the, the bill, that advocacy that they've passed, you know, in itself puts tremendous amount of financial resources available to pregnancy care centers, to centers that are helping families. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I, I hope, I hope it, it, it has a, a wonderful effect on, I wish my own state would do it from Louisiana. You know, maybe they are thinking, I don't know, I need to call someone and actually, actually I wanted to do that recently and I haven't done it, but I need to do it. Uh-huh. Because I think it's something that, that again, that says as a church, you know, you know, uh, I was uh, fortunate to be able to be home uh, back in Louisiana for Mother's Day uh, for a very brief visit, and uh, I was uh, on. We have a tradition in my diocese where we, they make uh, corsages, you know, for mamas, and the money goes to help the pregnancy care center. And I saw this year from hearing from many people that they received more donations this year than they ever have seen. And I think again, it's because of this potential change in our in, in our law about abortion. You know, from a federal point, and it's of rose overturned. People see this, and and that 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 speaks volume, which means we got to pick up that message as a church, as a people. So, again, I know Tad, we're going to talk more and more about this, because especially as this unfolds. Um, I'm writing another column right now on the same issue, kind of post row world, just giving people things to think about, myself included. You know how does it how does this change HLI's uh, approach in the United States? How does how does it affect you know what you brought up early? How does HLI you know advocate for foreign policy to promote life? So in other words, the, so I don't think this question has come up yet. You know how does this decision of the court potential decision right now? It's an opinion. This decision of the court, if it were to, if it holds, how does that affect now federal policy? And we can see that there'll just be. Uh, the fighting will maybe increase to a fever pitch because right. uh, this is now seen as something that, to which Americans had been entitled for many decades uh, with this idea that's of right. a right, right to abortion. And exactly. so that's the language that the counter-assault uh, exactly. will be which, made in that there's all taking away of rights. Right. Right? Which goes back to Father Marx in a sense what I mentioned earlier about a mentality. Yeah. So when we think about these many decades it really has become a mentality, and as you said, so-called right. And so it's going. To, this is going to be hard, as we know, 
a mentality is very hard to undo. Mm. Uh, so we can change the law. We can create new law. We can create good law. And that will have a tremendous impact. Absolutely. Because that also affects mentality. Just like this bad law created a men- mental uh, mentality, good law can create a good mentality and promote something good. So yeah, absolutely. But for the moment, we, we got we to literally unravel the damage and, 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 and change the mindset and, and, and reorient people in a different direction. And I, I know for myself and our team here at HLI, you know, we will not, not stop picking up that, 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 that banner about the contraceptive issue because it is the fundamental issue here. And, uh, and I would like to see more pro-life advocates pick this up. And many have. I like to see more do it because it is the real issue here. And, uh, and so it, if we don't address it, and we, then the other issue, which is abortion, is going to continue to be part of a conversation. And it would be, it's important for uh, Christians to have unity on, on these issues, right. and especially contraception and, and really Catholics as well, because what, think of what witness has suffered uh, tremendously from right. a lack of. Uh, well, the church's teaching has always been very clear, right. very right. Uh, potent, but individual Catholics uh, as private individuals essentially uh, being disobedient and right. uh, sinning, right. um, at least in promotion or acceptance of In part of, of, of that, of you know, we can, we'll be able to pick this up again and talk about it in greater right. detail. But, you know, as we've said before, a lot of times it's false understanding, poor formation, lack of education on the issue mm. and 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 also with that a lack of support you know and in a sense of also you know it's interesting and i maybe this is me for myself but it just i i use priest and religious sisters and i think i shared this story one time before and i think it's so but it's important to see that we can live the fullness of what god has revealed to us and, and especially in the teachings of our lord jesus christ and through his church we can live this you know and so when people think that we can't live pure chaste lives that's not it's, it's an untruth we can and when we and and just because some people in positions of authority and sadly within the church have given bad example that doesn't mean everyone is giving bad example we have great men and women great uh, religious men and women wonderful priests great consecrated uh, virgins and, and 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 married couples living chaste pure lives virtuous lives and every day we can we can live the gospel we can live the heart of it if we are willing to be courageous and and so we need to really that's what i mean by the teaching getting back to that so we so a couple you know who may think they can't you know that contraception is the only answer no it's not and to a person who may not be married who thinks that this is the culture that you know sexual promiscuity and so forth is what everybody's doing that i can't be chased that's not true so this is why i'm saying it's it's a total formation what john paul called a re-evangelization and of course before him that term was used as well many times so I, I, that's why i'm, I'm seeing it's a, I, i'm i'm hopeful tad I, i'm uh, i don't rest all my all my hope on on, on the situation, I rest my hope completely in Jesus Christ and his church. But these are moments. These are, these are good moments. And if we're given this chance, if we are truly given this, I, I, I don't want to waste any more time. Yeah, it's really God uh, giving a second chance, as you said earlier, uh, to see whether we'll take him up and uh, 
really try to fight back right. once and for all on these issues uh, right. because like we said building the culture of life is really what it's all about and laws are important to that they're right. not they're not really right. distinct but laws aren't everything we need uh, right. a real culture of life uh, right. of of um promoting the dignity and sanctity of every human person amen so thank you father for talking about this uh with me today and um we'll probably pick this up again i assume no in doubt. another episode uh and definitely in your columns coming forth so uh with that in mind thank you for tuning in and stay tuned because this is uh heating up and it's it's a it's a conversation that hli is definitely going to be uh paying playing a big uh paying attention to and and really um taking up so with that in mind, uh, thank you all for watching, viewing, listening. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe and uh, leave a comment uh, if you'd like and turn on notifications. Um, if you're listening on Amazon, Spotify, or any of the other uh, podcast platforms, please f keep following us and recommend us to everyone, all your friends. Um, mm -hmm. It's a great way to live the culture of life. And with that, it's said then, Father, um, we'll sign off and just ask everyone to keep praying, fasting, and uh, living the culture of life. God bless. Mm -hmm.